Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. Bartel drug customers are in for more heartache. The local pharmacy and institution is closing more locations after parent company Rite Aid filed for bankruptcy. There's a lot of uncertainty in the pharmacy business right now. One thing is clear. Change is coming. Seattle Times reporter Paul Roberts is here to talk about it. But first, let's get you caught up. A former medical director of Seattle Children's is suing, alleging he faced racial discrimination and retaliation. The Seattle Times reports the lawsuit filed by Dr. Ben Danielson alleges the hospital helped create a hostile work environment. Danielson ran Odessa Brown Children's Clinic for two decades until November 2020 when he resigned. An independent investigation of Seattle Children's that followed found improvement but persistent racial disparities. In a statement to the Times, Children's says it's disappointed by the lawsuit. We now know more about what led to a beloved killer whale's death. Tokate died as a result of old age and multiple chronic illnesses, according to a report released by the Miami Seaquarium. The 57-year-old orca spent the majority of her life there, where she was the star attraction until recently. Tokate died August 18th, before she could be transported back to her home waters off of Washington. And Costco's longtime CEO, Craig Jelinek, is stepping down, passing the rotisserie, if you will. The company says this transition is the culmination of a long-standing plan and will take effect the first of the year. Jelinek's successor, Ron Vacris, started with the company as a forklift driver decades ago. Jelinek will remain on the board. What's happening with Bartell and Rite Aid isn't unique. Across the U.S., pharmacies and all retail stores have been in flux for years. Back in 2020, Rite Aid purchased Bartell, hoping to grow big enough to compete with giants like CVS and Walgreens. But that bet hasn't paid off. Rite Aid was forced to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy over the weekend. Closer to home, the investment Rite Aid made in Bartell doesn't seem to have helped either. Como reports Bartell stores are among those that will shutter. According to a bankruptcy filing, two Bartels in Bellevue, as well as a Bartel in Redmond and one in Seattle, will close. Seattle Times reporter Paul Roberts says Bartel was already struggling. They were dealing with the scale problem. They, as a regional player and a small regional player, they just couldn't compete. They were running into all kinds of uh, staffing issues like everyone else was. Paul is here to talk about what Bartell and Rite Aid's struggles can tell us about the viability of the neighborhood pharmacy. Paul, really glad you're here. Thanks for taking the time. Glad to be here. Okay, so I've been working in the university district for more than a decade, and the Bartell on the Ave there used to be well-stocked and had cool employees. It was always busy. But a lot changed very quickly on the Ave. It's almost like you could tell the story from the university district in terms of, you know, customers and and decline. You know, I I went to the UW in the 80s and late 70s and early 80s, and that was my go-to place for snacks between class. It was just like this place that you could guarantee that it would have fun stuff that would take your mind off of whatever stresses you had in class. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, the, but that points to the, the, the sort of the attributes that drew you to that store, I think points to some of the challenges that Bartell had faced prior to the, the acquisition by Rite Aid. You know, it was known for customer service, really good customer service, and a quirky inventory that included a lot of local, a lot of local, locally sourced products. And 
I think both of those would have been really challenging to maintain in a in an environment that was you know into cost cutting and efficiencies, right? So the staffing issue. I mean, cust- good customer service means keeping people for a while, keeping experienced staff and lots of them, and that was really hard to do. That's an expensive proposition. Uh, a complex local inventory is hard to source. It's not super efficient. And then you add to that the fact that a lot of Bartel locations were in urban, sort of dense urban areas. I mean, that's what made them so perfect, except that's really expensive. That's going to be really expensive real estate. And those three things probably made it tough to consider keeping that, you know, that business in that current configuration. I think the, you know, you have to step back maybe and ask, well, what is a drugstore, like what's its value today? The, the things that drew us to them 10 years ago, other players are offering those, at least pieces of them. So you can get your your pharmacy, you can get your drugs, um, your medications online, sometimes more cheaply and more conveniently. Um, you might get the the sort of the stock selection from a discount store, you know, dollar store has, you know, as an example, these dollar stores have really been eating into parts of the, the sort of the drugstore market. And, you know, the, the, the sort of the, again, and so then if, what's the reason for going in to a Bartel? If it, if the staff, if it doesn't have the staffing, if it can't fill the shelves, if it's, you know, just turning into kind of another, small retailer that's trying to cut costs, it loses some of that appeal. You know, Paul, we're talking about this like businesses have to maintain a bottom line and customers are nostalgic for what they want, but it sounds like we're not even doing the things we say we want anymore, which is walking into a Bartell drugstore, you know, looking through the shelves and maybe finding a cool local product. That doesn't exist anymore because fewer and fewer people are doing it, it seems. I think those sorts of that kind of curated inventory is available, but it's probably available, you know, so an independent retailer has to decide we're going to do that and it's worth doing that and we're going to charge a premium for it. The fact that, you know, the, the, the world, the, the world when you could get that kind of a nice curated inventory and a, a staff that you knew and had known for like 10 years or 20 years, that's probably not going to be yeah. repeated. You know, I think the, I think one, one concern people have is, well, if a Bartell closes or a Rite Aid closes and people have to shift to another pharmacy and they haven't yet made their sort of, well, I'll go online. They haven't yet figured out an alternative. They just go to the the pharmacy down the street. That also creates problems. So, you know, I got an email from someone who had been a customer at the Uptown Bartell, you know, their little community in Uptown, whatever you call it. And they said, you know, they were shifted down to the CVS just down the street and they said that the CVS couldn't handle it. You know, they were the the staff there that, you know, they didn't staff up to uh, or at least not adequately to handle this sort of flood of former Bartell customers that were coming down there. And, you know, the customers were uh, unhappy. The staff was clearly unhappy and stressed. And so that's a great example of how the area can lose capacity to handle demand. It may make adjustments, you know, over time, one imagines that some some number of Companies will come in and sort of pick up those that demand, that local demand, or the people will find other options. Yeah, there will always be people, right, Paul, who want to go in, who need to go in and physically see a pharmacist. There's a practicality here in people's lives. It makes me wonder in this, you know, changing landscape and the flux of all of these pharmacy closures and 
buyouts and shiftings and bankruptcies, what the future of the corner pharmacy looks like in a city like Seattle. It feels to me like the pharmacy business, whether it's national or regional, has been sort of tossed up in the air briefly. It's been disrupted by the pandemic and by some of these um, you know, disruptions from online competition, from the labor market shortage, and all those things, those sort of outside shocks have really hit the industry and thrown all its pieces up in the air and we're waiting for them to settle and we still don't know, you know, they still haven't come down. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like. So we don't know how many pharmacies we're going to have. We, I mean, we know that the industry was somewhat overbuilt and they, they would put too many ph- competitors would come in and put too many pharmacies in the same area. Um, and maybe that fit 10 years ago with the market, but with maybe online competition, suddenly there's too much pharmacy supply, if you will, for local demand. So maybe it was going to shrink anyway. There's so many uncertainties here. And the, and the tough thing is, is, we don't really have a way to vote. Who holds the power, Paul, right? Is it Are we driving the business model or is the business model driving us? I think, you know, it's the business model is driving us. And, it, and the, you know, sometimes the business model can be so wrong that, you know, consumers finally just get fed up and leave and, and that business model falters and the market goes, oh, okay, that didn't work. But it can take so long for that to happen. And, you know, if you look at, I mean, the, the, the truth is, take the cell phone analogy. You know, we all use cell phones now and they generally have really crappy, like when you're talking on the cell phone, half the time you can't even hear, right? And we used to have phones that were clear as a bell. Now they weren't convenient. I mean, you couldn't take your phone in the car with you and all that, but I think we've gotten so used to this idea that we have to talk on these phones and we're willing to accept crummy audio in many respects or just not use it. I think that just kind of shows that the definition of progress changes in terms of how it impacts us and what we're willing to accept. So I don't know. I I feel like there is this longing for a an era in which uh, a retailer like Bartel could thrive. And I think that reminds us that there were a lot of other retailers that were doing well and, and it was a world that worked differently and and at a scale that felt, you know, felt familiar and, and sort of right. And I think part of what we're seeing here among, you know, shoppers who are unhappy is it's it's hard to, to sort of come to grips with that and accept that, that, you know, maybe Bartell just doesn't fit. You know, that idea um, that we grew up with, many of us, um, just doesn't fit in the sort of post-pandemic, highly digital economy. Yeah, yeah. Paul, Really interesting. Really, really appreciate that analogy. And you know, it's so bittersweet in some ways, but progress and change is always a mix of both, I think, in some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what progress brings us on this on this front. Paul Roberts is the business reporter for the Seattle Times. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your insight. Oh, well, it's great to be here. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. This show is only possible with your support. Click the link in the show notes to help make it happen. And thanks. Today's episode was produced by Matt Martin. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Vaughn Jones, and Lucy Suchek. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.